Get Heavy Podcast, hosted by Craig Kasamas and John Scheimer. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, so, uh, today's podcast, uh, I am talking to my buddy, my old friend, Chris Owens, from the band Lords. Um, back in the day, 2000s, early 2000s, we played a bunch of shows together. Uh, one of the most fucking epic bands I've ever seen. They were really the catalyst for the wrath starting. Um, my old band Ox played with them many years ago and I saw them play and I thought there's a new bar and uh, I decided I wanted to start something gnarly. And so that was a big part of me wanting to start the wrath. Um, he has currently since obviously stopped playing music, but um, he moved out here to LA and has been spending the last 10, 15 years building an insane career doing high-end studio builds um, for, I mean, Diplo, you name it. You see uh, tons of stuff on his social media uh, about the incredible studio builds that he's been doing. He was always recording bands out in uh, Louisville when he was there, but when he came to, uh, when he came out here, he kind of just fell into it and um, ended up working out pretty good for him. So I hadn't talked to him in a long time. It was really, really good to catch up with him. Uh, so please enjoy the episode. Also, don't uh, forget to, uh, Subscribe to our Patreon. $1 a month gets you uh, bonus footage, um, uh, early access to the episodes, uh, stuff like that. And we also still have merch, the t-shirts and uh, masks are for sale. Um, t-shirts will be shipping soon. Hopefully masks are already in. So go to uh, getheavypodcast.bigcartel.com for that and uh, patreon.com for uh, and uh, patreon.com slash getheavypodcast for all that stuff. And uh, also, um, thanks for all the support and all the feedback so far. Love you guys. Somebody can do drywall framing. And at the Palmdale one, the guy gave me a couple of references. And then mm-hmm. I went to the one a couple miles away, actually in Lancaster. Same thing, got a couple of references. Mm-hmm. Got a hold of a couple of people that were going to come out to the job site, do a walkthrough. And as I was walking out of the, the Home Depot in Lancaster, Mm-hmm. I saw this guy, he was like loading up some stuff and I was looking at him like, I think this guy, he's got some drywall. He's got like 2010 Silverado in pretty good shape. Yeah. Got tools, but it doesn't look like a scrub. Yeah. And it's like, doesn't look like a blatant white supremacist. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to holler at this dude. This Mexican mm-hmm. guy. And I got, you know, I was like, yo, he's like, you do drywall? He's like, yeah. And I was like, you framing and demo and other shit. And he's like, yeah, we do everything. And I was like, I got a project. I got a thing. Anyway, I just kind of talked to him, gave me his car, talked to him some more. Anyway, all these other people came out. Everyone was a fucking goon. And then this really? dude was the, literally the last guy. And he was like, he wasn't even sure if he could make it out, but he came at the very last minute. Mm-hmm. He was just like chill. And then he's been kind of, he's been working out so far. But he's at, yeah, it was just like, took, I just had to go fucking hang out in the people <laughs> parking lot to like find a dude. <laughs> so it's so American. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. What? A, so, how many like projects do you have going at a time? Multiple or? Um, so, for the last, um, really, I'd say the last like seven years or so, mm-hmm. I've had no less than three and upwards of twelve at any given point in time. Wow. Um, Jesus. So right now. I don't even fucking remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. need you. Yeah. But we've got, I've got like, I've got like six or seven like pretty big ones all happening. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, in, they're all in different phases. Like we have like 
three that are like full on in construction right now. Mm-hmm. And then three or four that are in like sort of design planning phase. But then we also have a bunch of small things and yeah. it's just kind of like a long list of like little things that if there's like a day or two where there's like, Oh, I got guys free for a day. Cool. We're getting this thing that's been sitting around for months. It's not super important. So there's, it's just, uh, it's been crazy, man. It's like, well, so, I mean, it's, cr- I mean, obviously, you know, like, you know, after Lords and all that stuff, you move out here, you know, and it's like, I didn't know what you were going to do. Were you moving out here to do music or were you doing like, yeah, did you come out I mean, here to do this? I, no, not at all. I like, uh, I came out here. I mean, I was thinking I was just like, you know, gonna like still be recording bands. And like, I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll like get a job in a, in a real studio and like, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, do something like that, be like a house engineer and just kind of work my way up or whatever. Right. And uh, I like hit, uh, just hit up, I think probably hit you. I just hit everybody up when I was moving out here. And I was like, yo, I'm like uh, moving out here. And uh, anyway, so I had a couple people were like, yeah, you record our band that was doing, uh, uh, like Kevin Klein was in some other band after Graf Orlock. Yeah. And yeah. tracked them in Dez's house in uh, Garden Grove. Nice. And uh, then uh, that dude, Aaron Edge, remember that guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I remember the name. Yeah, yeah, okay. He was working at Southern Lord at the time, and we recorded some shit at Southern Lord. But he rewind a little bit to the good story, hmm. like uh, leading up to that. So it was like December in Louisville, and it was fucking cold. We were supposed to have gone back to Europe, and it was like going to be the best tour we were doing. We we're going to yeah. make money, and then Eric had like oxycotton freak out. Um, right, that's right. And uh, then, like that, kind of fell apart. And I was like thinking, I was like, hey, do I try to get like a fill in? It was literally like two weeks before we were supposed to leave. Yeah. And there was like a couple of guys that were like, well, there was a bunch of people that wanted to do it, and maybe like one guy that maybe could maybe play the songs. Yeah, they. I mean, I was, dude, like, for the people that didn't know that band, I've been going through like a Louisville like rehash lately, and it, dude. I mean, that fucking Swords record. First, the first record is so good, you know what I mean? But that Swords record, man, I can't stop listening to it. I've listened to it like for a week straight. Lottery <laughs> will get you everywhere. <laughs> chaos, dude. That fucking record is pure chaos. <laughs> I couldn't even. That's because I don't know. I don't know anything about music. That's the thing. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. I'm just like, yeah. here, cool. And, well, dude, um, I remember like we we played with sense. you guys. What did we play? It was yeah. obviously early 2000s at some point. I think the first record had just come out, yeah. and I was in my old band. I think Ox. I don't think Wrath was even started. Ox versus Thunderbird. Yeah, and I remember seeing you guys. Well, first I remember hearing the first record, and I thought this has to be a six-piece band. I mean, there's no way it's not. There, I don't know how you could play i thought there was pro- at least a si- straight singer and and then like two guitar players you know when you listen to the record and i and then you guys show up and you're a fucking three piece you know and more amps than god and it's shit stereoing and you know it's just chaos dude and i thought oh these guys just set a new fucking bar for me you know what i mean and i was so like stoked you know because i always said it sounded like rollins black flag on 45 some fucking thin Lizzy in there somehow, you know what I mean? It was yeah. or suicidal, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just so crazy, you know. And I've just been listening to that shit, and you know, and then every record that came out after that was like even fucking crazier, dude. And I just don't. I'm like, 
I was I was like listening to the riffs and I'm like I don't even think I could play it like I you know what I mean it's and I can I'm I can get along you know but the shit was just so wild back in the day man like you have fond memories of those times back in Louisville and stuff before you upped and split um well I have fond memories of those times but not necessarily about Louisville in those times oh okay all right <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. yeah it was just like uh you know like obviously like the early days of Lords and just touring was awesome. And like, right. Um, the ultimate thing is, I was getting it sort of like as to why I ended up moving is like, I reached this point where I was just like, I had to be on tour no matter what. Right. And like, and it was like, and at first I was like, you think, Oh, it's because I love playing music and I love going on tour. Mm-hmm. But then I, I sort of realized I was like, that that wasn't actually it like Mm. touring in a punk band especially when you start to get a certain age is like kind of stops being fun and it was a lot of work and you're it's a grind working a lot and you're not getting paid basically um and like uh if you were to do the math about your hourly rate for you know to to be in a punk band (laughs) you know like you're in the whole where you would end with that yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's yeah, it's don't do the math. Really depressing. And yeah, like, it can be. And I was just like, why am I? And I'm like, why am I doing this? And then I kind of this thing. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm doing this. The band. I'm forcing this band to happen because I have to go on tour, and I have to go on tour because I hate staying in Louisville. Oh, okay. And this is my only way to get out. Right, right. And like, are you and, from uh, Louisville? Like are you are you like born there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Born and raised. So you got that hometown. And, uh, I need to get the fuck out of here feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also Louisville's like, I mean, to be honest, it's a fucking shitty, depressing place. Um, like everyone's dead. <laughs> like yeah. uh, a lot of people. It's a heroin passing. overdoses. Yeah. 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 Um, it's just, it's like, there's a lot of like cool people. There's some good musicians there. There's just no real outlet for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's an alcoholic, drug addict, and depressed. Uh, they leave, and that's pretty much it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, or they're like into whack ass all country shit that I don't fuck with. So. Um, yeah, but I mean, you were you were recording. I mean, you know, you were recording your own stuff, yeah. and you were recording a ton of bands, right? So, yeah. I mean, you obviously could have stayed there and schlocked it out and made some sort of like album. Yeah, I mean, I could have stayed kind there of forever. So. Yeah, I could have stayed there forever, um, but I kind of was. Well, it was sort of right at the time I, I was with the band stuff. It was like I just had this thing. I was like, "Am I like what am I doing?" And it sort of kicked this whole other full life thing going on. And also, you realize that like you start looking around and you're like, "What's the most I'm ever going to be able to do in this place?" And it's right. not very much. And like uh, you're like, "Can I like continue to record weird, obscure punk bands?" Like for the rest of my life, when my rent is like two hundred fifty dollars a month, sure. Like, uh, but you can't like really like live like an adult and continue to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, and like, and it was sort of a thing where it was like, do I double down and just like go all in on this one venture, or do I just get the fuck out? And it was like at the crossroads there, and I chose to get the fuck out, and I'm infinitely better off because yeah. of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I see the pictures yeah. of the studio builds that you're doing yeah. and, and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. fuck, man, it looks 
I mean, the shit looks incredible. Obviously, you know what you're doing. I mean, it's, um, and then, so when you started, like, you get to LA, right? And then you start, you know, doing whatever you're doing out there. You have some sort of background in carpentry and all that shit, obviously. I mean, you know how to build shit. Not really. I lie. Um, Nice. That's how it happened. I lie. That's how punks do Uh, it, man. So (laughs) they can make it. Yeah. So I would have a quick rewind. So rewind back to like, I was having my like, quarter life crisis, third life crisis, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it was winter. I fucking hate winter. Um, I was just like, what do I want? Like, I was like, I'm, I'm, am I happy? No, I'm not happy. What do I want to be happy? And everything before had always, my entire existence revolved around making the band happen. Like everything from the minute I got up to the minute I passed out, it was everything that I did was to make that one thing become a reality. And, I was like, this is not making me happy anymore. And I was like, well, think about it in really simplistic terms. I was cold. It was fucking winter. I was like, well, I want to not be cold ever again. And I'm like, I never want to see snow again ever. In your life. I'm like, okay, that's one thing. And then I'm like, what else? I was like, I want money. I want to never be broke again Mm. ever. And like, I'm like, okay, cool. So that's two things. You want to be warm and not broke. And, uh, I mean, obviously there's kind of like, for me, like worth it's LA is the only place to, or the first place to start anyway. I think at one point I was like, maybe Miami. And like, I hit like torch dudes up and, and, uh, just asking them, I was like, yeah, you guys like, you know, like John's studio there. And, uh, I was like, I think I'd hit him up and was like, maybe talking about moving there. And they were like, no, don't fucking move to Miami. It's gonna be terrible. But, um, and look, aren't they so all here now here. anyway? I mean, most uh, aren't, weren't they here for a they while? They had come and yeah, I think John yeah. was here for a while. Steve yeah. was here. I think Steve's in Portland now. John did move back to Miami. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, I uh, so I, I knew I wanted to come here. I didn't really have a solid plan. I was just like, I'm going to figure it out. So this was in December. And I basically had three months and I had a bunch of like credit card debt and shit. And I was like, well, in three months span of time, I want to pay off all of my debt. I want to get a new vehicle and have like four or five grand in my pocket. So I did this. Just, I don't even believe how I made this stuff happen, but I just like uh, the most inten- intense, insane hustle. And I got a Craigslist gig section and end up in some total weird shit. I made $5,000 selling used carpet because I had this hustle where a friend of mine had this company that set up like tables and chairs and pipe and drape for events at the fairgrounds and stuff. And I was helping him out with some stuff just for cash under the table. And then like they had this carpet and they were getting done with like the car show or whatever. And it was all the carpet from the booths. And he was like, if you might want to see carpet, you could take it. And I was like, Oh really? And I'm like, what's going to happen to it? There's a shitload of carpet here. And he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, well, if somebody doesn't take it, I got to pay for the dumpster to uh, pick it up. And I was like, you gotta pay for this. It's like it's only been out like two days. It's like basically brand new carpet. Like, why don't you try to sell it? And he was like, Who the fuck's gonna buy used carpet? And I'm like, Everyone. I don't know, let me find out. So I went and I got the trailer, the Lord's trailer in the van and drove it up there and got as much carpet as I could possibly take, put it all in Craigslist, sold every fucking bit of it. And then I kept doing this. And I got hooked up with this woman who was basically a slumlord and had all these shitty apartments, and she was just buying everything I could get. She was buying it. It's like <laughs> It was shitty carpet, but it was like a buck a square foot. And I was just flipping it for like 50 cents a square foot, but I had it for free. So it didn't matter. And um, 
I would just take it back to the house I was living in, roll it out in the garage, vacuum it, and then fucking put it back up. And I like made about five grand selling used carpet until he found out I was making money. Then he stopped letting me do it. And now he wants to <laughs> cut, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I like fuck that. So I did that. I did surveillance for a private detective. Really? Uh, that I met on Craigslist. Yeah. Wow. I met a private detective on Craigslist. It was a very like uh um ominous, like cryptic ad that was like looking for someone discreet who knows uh, digital photography and word processing. And it was like $250. He's like approximately 20 minutes of work. I'm like, fucking A, I'm in. So I took the guy back and there's just like an exchange. Yo, even if this guy fucks it me, and... it's still worth it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's not a bad deal. I mean, hey, um, you know. Yeah. And that's the and this whole cycle of events, that's not the first time I had that thought. Um right, right yeah. Actually, not the last time. Uh, so anyway, I hit him back. He ends up making me sign an NDA. And it's very non-glamorous, non-exciting surveillance work. He, I was basically a narc for sports bars that were stealing uh, pay-per-view MMA and boxing. Really? Okay. And uh, like, but it was like, you just walk into a bar, you get some video of them showing the fight uh, and you can get some pictures of stuff and then send them that and fill out an affidavit and he sends you like between 150 and 300 bucks per place that you go. And like, so I made like a few grand doing that. I actually still did that for a while in LA when I first moved here. Yeah. And uh, it was one of the, one of the last times it was actually more ridiculous. It was just, I don't remember what fight it was. Some uh, pay-per-view thing. And there's a spot in Glendale and he went there and he was like, if you can get up on the roof and get a picture of the satellite dish, it's an extra hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, fucking A. So like I, get out there and I like do my thing. And I had a trick where I just wear a shirt with has a pocket in the front and you just like put your phone in the pocket and you walk around. And also it doesn't matter anymore. This was like 2011. Right. But like, even then, but especially like nowadays, anybody could do it. Everyone has their phones anyway. No one cares. Mm-hmm. But uh, do that. And then I was like, okay, I got to get up to the root. I want this extra fucking hundred dollars. So I go up and like, I couldn't see any way to get up on the roof but there's an apartment building next door. So I go around to the back and you couldn't really get up there, but there was like a chain link fence. I was like, if I climb to the top of the fence, I think I can probably like fucking Spider-Man shit and grab this ledge and then pull myself up and then get around the corner. And then there was like a fucking pipe that went across this alley and I could mission impossible, like do my thing across this pipe to get up there to get a hundred dollars. You're going to fall off a building for a hundred dollars. I scale the back of this building. I, break into the sting and i'm going there i'm like dodging a security guard i scaled i go crawl this fucking pipe across the alley get in the top of this to get up there to get a picture of the fucking thing to get an extra hundred bucks and i did it and uh nice. <laughs> yeah um so i was doing that uh then one of the last things in louisville i did well you know like my studio there i had like I had two different spots and i had like kind of built some stuff for them like not really Mm-hmm. and like uh the very first one was this like terrible shitty warehouse loft and my cousin had helped me gut it and everything put some doors up and did some shit but really they did most of the work and i just kind of was like oh what are you doing cool um and then uh i had um answered another craigslist hat 
for a guy in Louisville that was like, I got this digital task cam recorder and I don't know how to use it. I'll pay somebody if you can teach me how to use it. And I was just like, fucking hey, I'll figure that shit out. So I hit, it, hit him back and I'm like, yo, uh, I can teach you how to use it. And he was like, okay, what, what's your rate? And I was like, $30. I thought that was like, word that. That's what it was worth. And then, like, yeah, yeah. he was like, great, you're hired. That was your value yeah, at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, this is the subject. This is like coming out of a punk band. Right. Like, yeah. oh, teach this guy how to use a thing 30 bucks, fucking A. Yeah. Um, it's part of that punk so, rock uh, guilt that fucking lingers over us. Yeah, I know. It's it, like we're all ex Catholics or something, dude. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you devalue your worth just for the sake of punk rock for a long time, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I go um this guy's house and he's got this barn in the back. And on this it's a second floor and it's locked. And he has made it into be this like venue. And there's like theater seats and a bar and a stage and everything. Wow. And I get up there and uh he's got this recorder and he's talking to me about it. It's just like older white dude. And uh the thing is he's got a band called Barn Jovi. <laughs> and Barn Jovi is all of these old white dudes and they were going to have a concert for their friends and play fucking Mustang Sally or whatever and all the <laughs> yeah. shit and they wanted to record it and then put out a CD of course <clears throat> and I'm like of course because that's because why not yeah. and anyway like so I go up there and I'm like okay cool well uh, let me see this thing here where's the manual and I'm basically just like reading the manual of this guy and I'm like okay well you uh, arm the track and you press the button that's the number of the track and then you press record and then it starts recording and you plug the mic into the input and yeah, the basic stuff. And he's like, I just, I, yeah. It had been like maybe 20, 30 minutes. He's like, you know what? That's just, I just, that's kind of all I can really like process for He's like, you want a beer or something or some whiskey or, and I'm like, no, man, I'm good. He's like, well, I got this new Robin Trower DVD. And I'm like, no, man, I'm, I'm good. He's like, oh, really? It's Robin Trower live. Oh, man, let me tell you, it's really good. Like, yeah, I mean, I can make you another drink. You know, I can, you know, you wanna... And I'm like, okay, where's this going? And uh, so he, he was like, well, that's just really, you know, I tell you what, can you come back another day and we can pick this up again? And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. And he was like, well, here, let me cut you a check. And he gives me a check for 75 bucks. And I was just like, oh, and he's like, well, I know what you said. It was a thirty dollars an hour, which is not even what I say because I was just gonna do it for thirty <laughs> bucks. That <laughs> was like that's what I was thinking. That's what I was gonna do. Okay, thank and, you, Warren uh, Joby. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so he gives me a check for seventy five bucks. He's like, hey, can you come back on Wednesday? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And, um, and then I come back on Wednesday and it's exactly a repeat. We're like, go over stuff for literally maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes, not very long at all. And then he just wants to like have a beer and talk and watch the Robin Trower DVD, which he brings up again. And um, I'm like, okay, is this going, is this going somewhere weird? Is this going to turn yeah. into, you know, is this guy trying to fuck me? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I know I'm good looking and cute. Like, oh, Obviously. And then I'm like, ah, let's see, 75 bucks, 15 minutes. Like, where, where's the number here that's going to make it worthwhile? Right. But um, then, like, basically through the course of this, figured out that the dude had a stroke. He was, his, he was, his wife died. He had a stroke. And he's this, like, retired partner at a law firm. So he has shitloads of money. 
and he can he remembers how to do like everything he ever knew how to do before the stroke but like he can't process new information and he can only learn things in like really really short increments so that's why it's like if you, go, if you could you would, we'd learn like one task like arm a track and then like couldn't if it got to like the second task he like couldn't retain it so we he just had to i had to get back really slow and then i would at a certain point i was like man you know you're like way overpaying me and he was just like i don't care he's like i've got the money i was like money's not an issue for me and you know what you're doing and you're helping me out and i trust you and i'd rather just pay you to come here and do this and this is this is what it's worth to me i don't care it's like i'd rather pay you more to have you be available to come here and help and keep helping me and i'm like all right cool so you know doing this working stuff with this guy and over the course of a couple of months and actually get him this whole recording set up they get to their big concert the bar and jovi concert they, they they drew it i go there for the bar and jovi concert we help them track everything i mix it for them and then there's the guitar player in his band in bar and jovi also had just, just bought a house he inherited like 41 million dollars and had bought a house and didn't like the house, but liked the property. So tore it down and it was having these Amish people rebuild a new house for him and wanted a studio in the house. And I had already, I was already like had sessions booked in LA um, that I was coming here to, to do. And I was like, this was like about a month before I was actually mo- planning on moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, yeah, so I really could use like a consultant to like help me build the studio. And I'm like, to be honest, like at the time, like I knew like this much about stuff and like I knew what things were supposed to be. Right. Um, more so than I actually knew how to do it. So anyway, I just started like fucking looking up a bunch of stuff and doing a bunch of homework and research and like bought some books and stuff. I was like, oh, I figured all this stuff out. And uh, then was working with the Amish guys that were building his spot to, to tell them how to build everything and do it. Okay. which was also kind of wild too. Yeah. Um, it was literally a bunch of dudes in like homemade overalls fucking building this studio. Um, do dovetails and okay. <laughs> like all kinds of shit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, wow. they were like, well, we can use power tools now, but only one person can have a cell phone and we keep that locked away in the, in the, in the shed, except when we need it. And like, we're like okay. But, um, kind of get through that and then we were getting into sort of that was mostly wrapped up and we're into kind of like the acoustic treatment part of it and i was like you should really do this and he is like which actually like a lot of people are they're like well, what's that and i'm yeah. like well this is actually like a huge part of making your room not sound like trash right it's and like one like, of the more important things right and it's also like and this is also again this is like 2011 and actually a lot has changed since then as far as like in the studio that's something as people understand more about now than they did then um even but um i was like yeah no, you got to do this stuff so i like got some shit and i had made him some panels and i like did his control room and this is like a multi-room studio facility and all this other stuff and you had like a pretty big tracking room several booths pretty big it was like i don't know maybe like 12 1500 square feet big room. decent sized spot yeah um, yeah. And so we uh, do the control room and I was supposed to leave in five days. 
and he was like, this is amazing. Holy shit. You're right. Everything is like, we have to do the whole place. And I was like, fuck. He was like, can you do it? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I literally didn't sleep for five days. I had a bunch of Adderall. Uh, (laughs) I had a friend that had narcolepsy and she gave me some of her anti-narcolepsy medicine. I actually, it was like a fucking meth binge, but I was literally stayed awake for five days. For five days straight? In the living room of the house. I was like, maybe kind of close my eyes for an hour or two a night. But I was, I was doing like not never less than an 18 hour day, like, uh, like 18 to 20 two hours typically uh but i finished building all of this treatment by myself and getting got enough everything installed and to get like another several thousand dollars off of it which was great fund everything uh drove 32 hours straight to la without stopping mm-hmm. and i was staying sam was living with our friend brooke in los fields and i'd been we like lord had stayed at her house before I pull in to the fucking Albertsons in Hillhurst and I have like the trailer and the Chevy SUV. And I was so, it was like crashing. And I was just yeah. like, Oh my God. Cause it's like, you're just, just like running on pure adrenaline and amphetamines basically right? for like eight days, basically, you know, more or less. That's and, a bender uh, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And come here and um. Oh, and also in the in the course of this, I was like, uh, Ch- uh, Sam was Sam Veldy was like, oh well, since you're moving here, he's like, you know, I think he maybe had seen me build something or I posted a picture or something. I don't know what it was. That and he was like, oh, so you know, uh, you can build stuff. I've got a friend who's a general contractor and he needs a hand. He needs an extra hand set of hands if you like want to have something else. And I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, is now one of my best friends, Chad. But I uh, had, so I hit him up while I was juggling all this stuff, building these things, had these recording sessions booked. And then he was like, great. He was like, and I think it was like the week when I was, right when I was, before I was supposed to leave, right when he gave me all this little work. And he was like, well, cool. Can you start tomorrow? I was like, well, I'm not going to get there till next week. And he's like, oh, fuck. Well, I've got you. I need somebody like right now. And I'm like, I'll be there in a week. And he was like, okay, I'll wait a week. Hmm. So, anyway, I was like, fuck, marathon through all this shit, drive straight here, met the Albertsons parking lot. I'm literally delirious. Sam's like out watching a movie. And he's like, oh, come meet me at this bar. And I'm like, no, I just want to sleep. <laughs> Dude, just please. So, I. And th- was this when Sam was in there. his prime, too? Oh, yeah. For sure. So, this is, this and, is uh, for everyone that doesn't know, this is the singer of uh, Night Horse. Yeah, Bluebird, right? He was in Bluebird. Um, yeah. So I hit up uh, my other friend Laurel Sterns. So Laurel's actually my oldest friend from LA. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I uh, was like just delirious, and I was like, I don't want to fall asleep in this deep sleep and pass out in this fucking Albertsons parking lot, and you know, who knows what happened. And so I called Laurel, and I'm like, Laurel, I've just got into town. I was like, uh, What's going on? He was like, Can I maybe come take a nap on your couch or something? literally i'm dying and she's like oh well yeah um so i'm having a gathering uh it was gonna be only witches but i, I think there might be a, a wizard coming too so it should probably be okay if you want to roll by if you, you, you know do you want to come by and i'm like absolutely <laughs> it's 
So I got this Welcome like LA. <laughs> 20 thousandth win, and I go to we're driving the trailer and all shit. Like go over to your house and uh, we're right behind Louis and Echo Park, and I walk in, and there's this like harem of women that are all like high functioning professionals, okay, mm-hmm. and like people like this uh, one lady was an NPR reporter and like there's like you know, there are other people in music management they're like mm-hmm. they're not full-on kooks okay mm-hmm. and then there's this dude and the dude like uh, had like long flowing blonde hair and this like ruffly shirt like fucking talismans and shit on and like all this stuff and like I right when that. I walk in it's like all these women are like semi circle around him and he's telling this story and I walk in the door and I'm just there's I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And the guy is talking about how he uh, does like spiritual cleansings of spaces. Okay. And uh, he had these clients. This is what he does for money. People pay him money to do this. And these clients of his had, uh, uh, they were remodeling their kitchen and shit kept going wrong. And they're like, oh, like, things were happening. Like, there's a problem with the contractor and the permits and the city. And everything was going wrong and they couldn't remodel their kitchen. Clearly, the issue is supernatural. Obviously. So they hire this guy to come, does a ceremony, burns some sage, and says a chant, does whatever he's fucking doing, and um, determines that there's like a Indian burial ground. It was like not even <laughs> – it was like the most – it was like not even original. I was like, "What, really? Like you just went there?" It's like, and so uh, let me ask you a question: Are you by a cemetery? No. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. we are by a cemetery. <laughs> LA is a fucking yeah. cemetery. So he determines that there's a ghost in the house, and that the ghost is uh, upset about the kitchen remodel. Oh. Because why wouldn't he be? Uh, he was like, "Are mica countertops? Fuck you! Um, like, <laughs> You're not gonna get granite, you cheap fuck!" <laughs> yeah. 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 So he, the ghost, was upset, and then so then he, they do a ceremony, and then they have this communion with the ghost to get permission to uh, um, finish the remodel of the kitchen and and all this other stuff. And he's he's going to this thing, and I'm just like, "What the fuck?" And all of these these women that are there, they're all like. And then what? <laughs> yes. Wow. And Craig, man, like I, from my entire upbringing, man, like and from like South End of Louisville, like into punk and like got into punk because I think it wasn't like a fuck you day thing. It was just because like I was like I couldn't actually play an instrument. I wasn't good at metal. Right. I wasn't like yeah. good at music. Yeah. It was like a punk, and then I'm like, you don't have money, and it's like you don't need money, and they're like these people. I hear these like black flag, and I hear the shit. And I was like, this is like a reflection of my life. This mm-hmm. is like why that's why I gravitate to this because these are 100%. ideas, and this is an existence that I'm already living. It's tangible. It's you know what I mean? You can do that. Yeah. So anyway, you're in this whole thing, and my whole life I was just like, I could never be rich. I just couldn't see. I couldn't ever fathom how I could ever be rich until that one moment and when i see this guy in laurel's fucking kitchen with this like 
circle of like women, women like successful people, and he's like selling them on this fucking Indian burial ground kitchen remodel, fucking sage burning ceremony. And at that moment, Craig, that was the first time in my life where I was like, I can be rich. <laughs> I can own this. Town. This is the place it will happen. Yeah, totally. This is, I have found my place in the world. Um, Welcome to the land of rich fucking suckers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's exactly. crazy, man. Not that my clients are rich suckers. No, but you know, <laughs> but you see that, dude. Yeah. I mean, LA is chock full of that shit. You know, you're like, I've been in so many conversations where I'm like, I kind of want to jump out the window, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I, you guys really had like, this is what you guys talk about. Like, are you guys, is there, where's the hidden cameras? Like, are you guys fucking with me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is this a real fucking conversation? We're talking about goat yoga and like, you know, like what, I, what is this? You know, like what the fuck is this? You know, I've done it so many times in that town and you know, that's why I keep my ass over here somewhat grounded. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I can't, I, my bullshit, my, my bullshit meter is like very thin and I just don't have it. You yeah. know what I mean? But for you to be able to see that moment and capitalize and be like, this is possible. You know what I mean? That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that punk rock. Was shit, the first time that, you know what I mean? Like finding, that fucking yeah. niche for yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, there's like a, a deeper phys- philosophical thing that I had that I think like maybe irrelevant to talk about because especially like a lot of our peers and friends as you get older and you're like in this world and then that world stops to be viable for you and they're yeah. like, fuck, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And my thing was like, I had always had this rigid idea of what I was and what I was going to do. And I was like, I am Chris Owens. I am a producer, a fucking punk producer, and I played mm-hmm. this band. Mm-hmm. And I like this is what I do and who I am. Yeah. And instead of having this, I was like, you know what? I don't know. I was like, I went back to like, what do I want to be? What do I want? I was like, I want to be warm and fucking like not broke, not poor. Yeah. So okay. So then, how do I find out the way to achieve those things? Doing the thing that I like the most out of my options, you know? Right. And then you don't have to, I just kind of started doing a bunch of all kinds of different shit through my head around. So I was recording some bands out here and then I started working for Chad. Like immediately, like right off the gate. Like I, that was a Saturday night when all that shit happened. Monday morning I was on a job and mm-hmm. saw a hardwood floor and no idea what the fuck I was doing. Right. And there was this guy that was sort of like Chad's like foreman at the time. And a few months later, very ironically, he would end up working for me. Nice. Uh, but uh, we go in, I was like mortified, I had no idea what I was doing. And it's just like, okay, sure, you know how to do hardware floors, right? Yeah, sure. And I'm like, absolutely, definitely, totally. Totally, no problem. Well, I mean, like, I know like how we did it in Kentucky. So like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, maybe you guys have some like tricks here I should know about. Like, you know, it's just like, a, you know, and you say, oh yeah, well, sure. Well, like, this is how I usually, and I'm just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I got it. And I just <laughs> literally, yeah. and just started doing it. And, um fortuitously i was good at it really quickly um and then just started to pick things up really quickly and i found out that i had an aptitude for things that i never knew i did um and uh i wasn't ever like 
into like the actual physical construction part was like, I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, I, I am good at this thing. I don't really love doing it, but yeah. I'm actually making more money doing this than I am recording weird punk bands. Oh uh, yeah. 100%, and, I, and I get to see the sun, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. like, and like you're not that's another 15 hours in between yeah. a fucking show just to do it. You know? Yeah. And there's, there's like, so all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And it was just like, and it was also like this stability kind of thing that I had had not had as an adult, um, and that I was like, "Oh, this is just a different thing." And it did this sort of one eighty for life, and you know, just like waking up at seven thirty in the morning and seeing the sun, having a fucking cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you know, like going outside, being like out in the day in the sunlight, mm-hmm. doing shit, and then like then it's like four or five p.m. and you're like pretty much done, mm-hmm. and you're like. Oh, and I have like an the rest of this day. <laughs> yeah, what I want to do, and like, wow, what's this like? And you're not like, <clears throat> and then also just like even being the transition to being physically active mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, my other life was like in a dark room, sitting in a chair, like pressing buttons and turning knobs and like listening to Tom hits and like over and over and over and over again. <laughs> 90% of the time for music that you don't actually like. Right, right. And I, was like, I was like, damn, I don't, I was like, that's, and at first I was always like thinking about, oh, this is just something I'm going to do and I'm going to transition back into music. This is, I'm just going to make some extra cash for like mm-hmm. a month or two until then something else comes along. And then like, I think it was only about two months in, Chad gets offered to do a home studio. And he was like, you know, I don't actually know anything about that. You're like a music dude. Um, it's kind of like your gig, like uh, your thing. Like, do you just want to take the job? It's uh, my friend from high school. Um, it's like a shoestring budget. It's only $10,000. And at the time, again, like two months in LA, coming from Louisville to 2011, I'm like, $10,000. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry course, that it's like, going to take a thousand man hours. <laughs> yeah, you know? it should have been a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, that sounds about right. But I was like ten thousand dollars. So yeah. I go to this spot and I uh, look at it, and I was like, oh, "Here's Chris." And I was like, "Yeah, Chad sent me." I'm like, "You know, you're gonna take over the thing." I was like, "You look familiar." He's like, "You look familiar." He's like, "You play music?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've played this band called Lords." And he was like, "Oh, this band Crom," and it was Phil Vera. Oh and shit! Oh, cool. I, yeah. And I was like, like oh, fuck, we realized it was like, dude. yeah, like Lords and Crom had played together a couple of times. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, like, dude. So I did Phil's studio and like Adam Greenwood, the bass player for Lords, had also just moved to LA. He run like a, shortly after I did. Okay. He was out here trying to pursue his comedy career. Uh, and he was on un- unemployment from Kentucky. And I was, you know, I could use an extra set of hands doing this, uh, working on Phil's thing. And he was like, cool, man. And he was like, I was like, I just like not a lot of money. He's like, I'll give you 40 bucks a day. And he was like, can you at least pay me 50 a day? I was like, no. <laughs> and, <laughs> not in the budget. Here. And uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I 40 bucks a day is more than I made off the job. Like right, right, right. in hindsight, but yeah. like, oh yeah. Uh, but I was like, so Adam Green was helping me for a little bit, Phil, and then uh, Phil's friend, like Kurt, Kurt came in, he helped a little bit, and we kind of all just like built a spot, and it yeah. worked out, but I was in the middle of doing that, 
And I go to this party, meet this girl. I go home with this girl. And I'm at her house and I meet a roommate. And her roommate's like, oh, so what do you do? And I was like, well, right now I'm building this recording studio. She was like, oh, I'm a hairstylist. I'm like, cool. Of course you are. Um, Then uh, a couple days later, I get a phone call. It's a number I don't know. And I pick it up. I'm like, hello. And they're like, is this Chris Owens? I was like, yeah. And they were like, do you build recording studios? I'm like, yes. I'm like, yeah, I got your number from my hairstylist. And so do you know how to do a 5.1 mix room and screening room? And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, I go to this guy's spot to check it out. And uh, he is, uh, he's got this like this group of dudes and they're just starting this sort of film production company in this spot in Atwater. And, um, there was another guy there that was also giving a bid in the spot. And the other dude was like, this is like, at very least like bottom of the barrel, 25 grand. And they were like, fuck, we don't have any kind of, we don't have 25 grand. And I'm like, how much money do you have? And they were like, we have $5,000. And like, I, and there's like, there's like, but there's five of us and we will all work. And we're like, okay. And I was like, let me see what I can do. Yeah. And they were just like, it doesn't have to be like awesome. It just needs to be like better than nothing. Functional. Yeah. And like, I'm like, okay, let me see what I can do. So I'm also in my supreme Craigslist hustle phase at the time. Yeah. And I, find some dudes on Craigslist that are absolutely selling, selling stolen fucking shit that yep. like came off of a truck and like, uh, it was like $6 a sheet for some fucking like four by 12 fucking five eighths drywall. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and anyway, I like find out this shit and it's like kick some cream glue in line. I'm like it's basically $3,000 for materials. And I was like, okay, here's the deal guys. For the very bottom of the barrel things, it's going to be three grand for materials. You get me and the tools that I have for two weeks mm-hmm. and we work all day, every day. And you all five have to work. Mm-hmm. And at the end of two weeks, either we get it done um, or you we get it to as far as it gets and you finish it on yourself or you pay me more money. Right. right. And uh, they were like, okay, cool. So we did it and we just worked like fucking again, like 15, 17 hours a day, all mm-hmm. five of us and uh, for two weeks and seven days a week and banged it out and got it done. And it turned out way cooler than it should have for what it cost. Right. And the dude that I basically outbid at a company pro audio LA that he worked for in the Excel gear. And they were actually in the same complex and he came down because he bought some gear from him. He was like, how the fuck did you do this for five grand? Right. So then he started, they started hiring me to do builds for their clients. And then uh, right around that same period of time, another one of my good friends from Louisville was a writer for Diplo. And they had uh, both just moved to LA from Philly, like right around the same time I did. Mm-hmm. And he had a spot, Dippo's first spot in that in that water. And then uh so this was happening. So then my homie was like, Oh, so you're like 
building studios now. I was like, I guess I am. I, yeah. He was I, like, according to the two I've done. Yeah. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, well, fucking like, you know, like this is my room is like fucking dog shit. I can't mix in here. I just need some treatment. It needs to look cool. And I'm like, great, cool. And so they end up like hiring me to do like the, like some treatment for the first room. So I did that. And then I started doing shit for like, they ended up doing several other rooms in this complex. And then I was doing other shit for the other guy. And then, uh, it was just from those two sort of things. It then just like everything just branched out. Snowballing out. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, snowballed from there. That's great. And uh, I mean, it's so fucking cool that, you know, I mean, you being able to find your little niche that fat, I mean, cause think of how many people come to this fucking town and, and wallow for years, you know what I mean? Trying to fucking figure something out, you know what I mean? And, but when it comes like from the background you were from and the background I'm from where yeah. your only option is to figure it out or starve to death. You know what I yeah, mean? That's exactly. that type of shit exactly that makes you like, move. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is, it is really like a synchronous thing. I have mm-hmm. no like fallback. Like there <laughs> yeah, is exactly. absolutely nothing for me if I, that I don't make myself like, right. I don't have anything. There's nothing. Yeah. And, and that's uh, how, I mean, that's how I was, you know, when the rap is going, like we were at a point where it was either shit or get off the pot. We were going to tour nine months out of the fucking year. I got two kids. I'm coming home with zero dollars and I'm, you know what I mean? And like, I luckily reached out to my old man for the first time in my life and asked him to fucking, I need a job and you know what I mean? I want to get in the right. union. I did it, man. And you get those first few paychecks under your belt, you know, and all that punk rock guilt just melts right away, dude. You're like, I'm making a fucking grand a week. I could do it. You know what I mean? I could do this shit. And what I found is like, I found real love for the actual work. I didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? But I found love for the work because building shit that potentially lasts hundreds of years, you know, or, you know, years and years and years, it's fucking gratifying. You know, I was building roads and bridges and freeways and shit. um, And I fucking loved the work. I mean, you know, it's, and then not only that, having that same punk rock background, I moved up to a superintendent in 10 years in the construction industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's a 25 year fucking career trajectory, but it's because I was willing to take a chance on myself. And when someone asked me to do something, I tell them fucking, yeah, I'll try it. You know what I mean? And then yeah. own it and then own it when I fuck it up. You know what I mean? Cause you know, booking shows, and tours, you know what it's like six weeks on the road and fucking half of the shows fall through. And the only finger you can really yeah. point is like at yourself. You know what I mean? Like, that shit teaches you some hard lessons, you know what I mean? And um, yeah. I, I just love, I love that fucking shit where people really just take that, take that fucking exact mentality and use it towards other stuff, and they're able to flourish. I mean, it's so. I wish more people had that, but you know, you know, they're just don't. Yeah, they just fucking don't. You know? Yeah. Well, there, there is a, there is a, a thing, uh, like a certain kind of trait or quality that. Um, you know, one of the absolutely, it's like the, uh, maybe it's like a PTSD or flight mode kind of thing that you're just accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, this is like, this is the thing we just have to get this, like yeah. failure is not an option. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it's just like, you have to, like, when one thing doesn't work, you figure something else out. Like, and again, like that's being on tour, like, it's also like the half the time on tour, I was like learning to be a fucking mechanic oh. and like, you know, like figuring out how to like to, you know fix the van like i did all kinds of like crazy shit with it 
like, I don't even, well, this is a whole other interview. Just like how many times I had to do some like insane uh, van hack to actually yeah, get to a show. Rigging. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, we've all rolled yeah, in on fumes and yeah. low tires and yeah. being broke down yeah. in the middle of the night. I mean, I remember the day I realized that no one in my band knew how to change a tire. I was like, oh, what? Are you guys fucking serious, <laughs> yeah. dude? Like, I was like, get out. Everyone, hey, three in the morning. Guess what we're doing today? We're learning how to change a fucking tire so yeah. I don't have to get woke up every five minutes. You know what I mean? Or well, you guys don't know how to parallel park yeah. a van with a trailer. Oh, that's fucking interesting. You know, or like, you're not even sure where the oil goes <laughs> in. You know what I mean? Like, there's, and I'm no mechanic, but, yeah. you know, you just, the, the shit you figure out on the road is yeah. insane, dude. I mean, because you're 3,000 miles away or across, God forbid, across the fucking world, you know, and it's like, exactly. And <laughs> I you just, don't know, man. And you don't have money. It's, you nope. it's, like, it's the thing yeah. is like, well, this is, there we're gonna figure this out this is um, it man what's it like that you know that whole mentality spending like basically 15 years of my life doing that right and like you before i moved here and it's just like yeah, i was already just in great that's just a daily thing You're like mm-hmm. well now we have to figure this out and now mm-hmm. we have to and it's always like something new a new challenge new problem and your brain just gets used to work that way but it's also like a psychological thing too an attitude thing mm-hmm. and you know you know this too it's like the people that come here and succeed versus the people that come here and founder or fail. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things is that I think it's like the trick is outward confidence and inner terror. Yeah. (laughs) That totally makes sense. Yeah. You have to be like, when someone asks you to do something, you're you're like, fuck yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. And then inside I'm like, fuck 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 how am i gonna do that fuck yeah. holy shit how am i gonna do that fuck 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 mm-hmm. but then i like I'm frantically behind the scenes in hiding where no one will ever see me like yeah. just do this maniacal like not sleeping for days at a time until i figure out how to do it mm-hmm. because i made this promise that's like a really fancy word for exaggeration or maybe a lie mm-hmm. but anyway i yeah, have to no, deliver totally. on that yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you deliver on it, if you deliver on the lie, it doesn't matter it was a lie. Mm-hmm. And um, there's actually like, a, I guess a very tactful way of phrasing that. Um, there's this band King Horse from Louisville. I don't know if you like I don't uh, know anything about that band. There was like two things like in like early 90s when I was getting into shit. You had like Endpoint and King Horse. And those mm-hmm. were like the two schools. Of it. And of course, Endpoint was like the rich hardcore kids. And King Horse was like all the fucked up and like Danzig produced the record. They had one record out in Caroline, but okay. I remember being King Horse show. And there was like sing, singer Sean said in a very different context, but he's like, I have become the thing that I once pretended to be. And mm-hmm. when I heard that, it sort of resonated. And I realized like, okay, let's see, I think one of the tricks to success is always be in the process of becoming the thing that you're pretending to be. Yeah. And when you get, when you get there, you then pretend to be something better <laughs> until you <laughs> yeah, also yeah. hit that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can and do that without an insane ego and you can do that. You know what I mean? Like, cause when, when people say shit like well, that, the, the like trick a Tony is to, Robbins thing, yeah. you know, you go, yeah. you sound like an asshole, but like yeah. it, it is possible to do that and carry yourself with confidence without being a fucking nightmare human you know what i mean and that's the line yeah well that's, that goes back to people 
the people that fail are the people who believe their own bullshit. Right. And that's the yeah. thing is like the people who are like outwardly like, fuck yeah, I got this. And then internally they're also fuck yeah, I got <laughs> this. Yeah. Those are the ones that usually fail because they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then there's this other, there's a third thing sort of like the exact inverse of me that is like this gaining thing that is actually like really prevalent in Louisville, especially in the music community, which is fake humility, outward humility, but inside they're like, they're like, oh, you know, that's really like, oh, I'm, I'm not really, you know, it's really nice of you to like, think of me for something but i you know you know i just really like you know i don't know you know maybe like and like this fake like humble shit but then in the inside they're like fuck yeah i'm so fucking good stroking man stroking i make all these noises with an ebo because i'm a fucking (laughs) artist and you're like fuck off i'm in the dark Um, art bro uh, (laughs) yeah um i'm fucking deep and moody and existential and And that's everywhere though bro i mean um, you see that yeah. shit everywhere. That's not unique to fucking blue. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I think I think, you know, to have the confidence to try, but you're like you said, the internal terror to oh my god, I have to figure this out <laughs> is, is the difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you do see yeah. someone that's an uh arrogant moron, like you know what I mean? And you're like, you don't even what are you doing, man? Like you have no fucking idea. It's like nothing worse than someone that tells you, Oh yeah, I know how to do that. I know how to do that, and you're like yeah, but obviously you don't. Like, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah, I do. It's like, you don't, dude. You don't know how. I can see in five fucking seconds, you have no idea what you're doing. You know, it's, it's, it's true. And like, especially in like building shit, you know, you can see if someone knows what they're doing. Like, the way they pull a nail out of a bag, you're like, mm, no, you're not doing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's so funny, man. There's it, a- it's, in, in the construction world, there's a whole phenomenon thing, like it sort of more recently, like um, a few years ago when we were in a space, like it kind of got mixed up with some of the art department people mm. and talk about people that think that they know what they're doing, yeah. but like don't. Yeah. Uh, the delusions of grandeur that run so rampant in the fucking like set building world. Oh, like, yeah. Um, compared to like real construction mm-hmm. and like the kind of construction I do is like not real compared to say for like what you do building fucking roads and actual infrastructure and shit like that. Sure. Um, and like, but uh, yeah, guys that are like, oh, I'm, you know, yeah, my rates like, you know, like generally like 40 to 65 an hour, and then you're like, okay, great. And they're like, yeah, I'm a master fucking carpenter. Or whatever. Oh, that's, and then you show up and, that's the worst, like, dude. And it's like, you like, and these are dudes that are just because they get paid these exorbitant rates mm-hmm. to like make some shit that looks okay out of focus in the background. Right, <laughs> and right. And like, it's like, okay, you can poorly prime some wood with fucking like drips. It's like, there's like, that's kind of a butt joint. And you know, yeah, there's like, like it's just, just like fucking oh dude i mean like, for me yeah. like when i was out in the field i'm actually not now i work for my union as i train apprentices you know what yeah. i mean but um when i was yeah. in the field every single guy that came in and told me how much experience they had and how good they were you could count on it like a fucking 
like the yeah. moon they are dog shit yeah. most of the time you know what i mean and it's the same you see it everywhere it's like it's like i've been doing this 30 years it's like well great you've been doing it wrong for 30 years i don't know how mm-hmm. no one's fucking corrected you yet <laughs> you know what i mean like and i i'm 38 you know what i mean like yeah. it's I, it's crazy <laughs> to me man like the guy that don't say shit just goes to work you know i mean you get your handfuls of weirdos yeah. but it's the same everywhere, man. I mean, like I said, every guy that's ever bragged to me about how much fucking experience they have, they have all these pictures. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. Oh. Like, okay, man, <laughs> let's see you on the loader or let's, can you fucking do any, you know what I mean? And every time you're like, this is the international symbol for being fucked up like yeah. in construction. You know what I mean? We turn our heart <laughs> sideways at him, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's odd, man. but it goes with that like arrogant idiot. Like you're just like, yeah you, you don't listen no one will listen to shit no one will you know like you, they'll no one take and take constructive criticism period you know what i mean like yeah. you know try to tell someone they're doing something wrong it's you watch fucking grown men melt you know what i mean it's like it's crazy <laughs> man it's, it's just so weird man i'm so stuck yeah. so i mean you're obviously busier than shit do you miss playing music are you playing music? What are you doing? I mean, yeah. And like, I mean, I play guitar like every day pretty much, you know? You still play um, every day. And uh, I've been writing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, I see. I see the stacks. Yeah. Uh, still rocking that sun, uh, dude. Yeah. That's the Mexican one. Have you, oh, you seen that one? The one that's, it's in, uh, it's, uh, bring us, walk us over here. Yeah. It's, uh, I got this. In Tucson, Chicago music, okay. but it is uh, all uh, it's Mexican-made concert bass. So all the prints in Spanish. Oh, dude, that's awesome! Yeah, that's fucking sweet. Um, yeah, that's pretty wild. That's rad, man. But so you still uh, play, you still writing, but no, you're not doing any active bands or anything. You know, when I first came out here, I was like playing with some dudes, um, had a little thing, and. Uh, I just kind of got like ended up like just getting insanely busy building studios. And I was at the thing where I was like, I don't want to kill this momentum that I have uh, for this other thing to go back to that. Right. Right. Like I will play shows again in some way, some form or fashion at some other point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was kind of joking about like, I think more like 2020 is going to be the year. Um, Dude, me too, man. I had a new album a come out with my new band. You know what I mean? Decade. And all this shit. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually, this uh, reminds me of another conversation-worthy story of the last show that I have played. Mm-hmm. Um, that incidentally just became the last Lord show, but it wasn't intended to be. Uh, Ten years ago, a decade ago, mm-hmm. I played the. La- I was on stage for the last time, mm-hmm. I uh, performing, and I. Uh, it was when Lords headlined. Uh, Lords was direct support for a wedding, and a midget Marilyn Manson impersonator. It's so good. In an airplane hangar, at a flea market. Surrounded by strip clubs. That's a that's a good one, dude. That's how I went out. That was like, <laughs> that's a really good one. That's a really good uh, one. And it was a wedding. Yeah, we dude, got asked. We actually share this in common. I we have oh. played the Wrath played a fucking wedding. So weird, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's that amazing. was uh, that was it. 
But that wasn't yeah. the that no, wasn't right. the infamous show. What wasn't there something that went down? Didn't you punch one someone in the face or something? What was that? I remember a, a long times. time ago there was a couple of, like one of the bandmates or something. I can't remember what it was. I remember reading. Oh, yeah, that. I did beat up match A. That's uh, right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, he deserved it. And, hey, dude, I'm I'm for it. As a guy that yeah. you know has done it a couple more than once, you know, I still get I still have a problem with people getting on my stage while I'm playing, dude. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm not. I don't. That's the one not punk rock thing about me is I don't fucking <laughs> like when people. I, I you know because I was a metalhead when I was a kid and get up on a fucking stage, see what happens. You're gonna get knocked out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's my stage. And then also it every really, time someone gets up there, they break something. My, I have to buy a exactly. fucking thirty dollar cord, or they stomp on my hundred and fifty dollar pedal. Somehow something's broken, and I can't even fucking play anymore. And so I just started, you know, I I fucking I give it to them, you know what I mean? And I know it pisses oh, my bandmates off, but I don't fucking care. <laughs> don't get on the fucking stage. We got thirty minutes. The band before us <laughs> took forty five <laughs> minutes. You know what I mean? And now we have to shave a yeah. song off the set, and then I have to hear some drunk guy babble into my microphone. Like, fuck yeah. off. You know, that's the one thing that still pisses me off to this day. You know, I, I, you know, I have a pretty big threshold of for most things, except when you fuck with my livelihood. Right. And like that's like where it like that's when it just it snaps. Mm-hmm. When it was like with Matt, like, well, you know, his dad is a multimillionaire. Okay. Uh, he's a super rich kid. He is a was because he's dead, but uh, a drug yeah. out, right. know, just like a, a rich kid heroin addict, yeah. uh, enabled in every way. Right, and he was on like pills, micros at the time. Amazing musician, yeah. You know, it but it's thing. a bummer to deal with, man. You yeah, know? and uh, you know we we're, we we're playing the show, and uh, it was the day before we we're leaving for tour. Um, the band has you know like no money. This is like the money that's going to have us be able to pay for gas and go mm-hmm. to the first shows and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's another band from Florida. There were some friends of ours who was playing. So like, you know, I had, this is another thing going back to like the, I think the PTSD of, of Lords and bands is like, <laughs> totally you know, I, book, I booked the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was promoter at the show. I was also working the door at the show. Mm-hmm. I was also the sound man. Right. And I loaded up all of Lords gear, all of the gear for everybody at the, or, my studio came in unloaded everything set up the entire back line by myself then set set up the pa i'm already having like i'm getting twitchy hearing it you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> thinking about and it. so i'm just like and the thing is you know whatever that sucks and it's not fun and you're frustrated about it and no one's helping you but it goes back to the thing well if i don't do it it doesn't get done exactly and so it's just like you got to do it so i'm doing it but the thing is just show up play the songs right and don't be a bitch. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you, know, you ask it. Like, we play, like, we got done, and like, show is over at like two in the morning. And it's like, you know, the bar's open till four, and like, we're kind of hanging out, and like, I break everything down, pack stuff. It's like three. I'm exhausted all fucking day long. We're going, leaving a tour the next day. And I'm like, dude, like, Matt and Eric were like, uh, just kind of dicking around. I'm like, yo, guys, let's, let's, uh, and I'd already broken down all my shit, loaded all my shit up, got the, I was breaking down the PA, and I was like, you guys, let's uh, get this shit, get your stuff packed up so that by the time I'm done with the PA and get that broken down, I can get yeah. the fuck out of here and go to bed. Yeah. And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So I do my shift. Eric goes and starts breaking down his drums. 
and like uh, I uh, kind of like finishing up the pee and I look and like the base amp. So and it was one of my cabinets and two of my heads and then one of his cabinets, Matt's cabinets and Matt's mm-hmm. base. And uh, it's all just still sitting there untouched since we had played now sitting there for two hours untouched. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just like hanging out, drinking, talking to some girl. And I'm like, yo, man, I was like, uh, break your shit down, dude. I, everything else is done. I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I go to bed, just you're holding, holding up yeah. the program. And he's like, and he's like, you should break it down. I'm like, oh. what? He's like, Oof. you should break my stuff down. And I'm like, why? And he goes, break it down or give me $30. Another $30 is the thing that's coming up here. Maybe that was where I had it in my head. <laughs> that's why it's in your head. <laughs> and I was like, he, was like, he said, I, was, he's like, break it down or give me $30. I was like, why would I give you $30 fucking dollars? Break your fucking shit down. And he was like, we're like playing in your band. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Matt. Do you want to play in, in Basin Lords? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, do you want to go on tour tomorrow? He's like, yeah. I'm like, shut the fuck up then and break your shit down and put it in the van now. Yeah. And he's like, Phew. he goes and he walks over and he like, he's like pouting. <laughs> And he takes his bass and he throws his bass across the room. Me and Eric are standing there and we're like, <laughs> I was like, God. And then I see him look over at my head, the bass head, amp head. There was a concert lead. And I see him look at it. And I'm like, that motherfucker's going to throw my head. And I start walking over towards him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, looks at me and he picks up the head and just throws it. And I walk straight up to him and I grab him by the shirt and I punch him in the forehead. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And he's just a tiny dude. It's not like it was like a big thing, but it was like, I was not even, that was just a situation where I was like broke. I was pushed to the limit. Dude, the amount of disrespect, and, you know? And like, and again, it's like, I had, this is everything, every single thing I own mm-hmm. is right there. Mm-hmm. And every single second of my existence is dedicated to maintaining all of this shit and I don't mm-hmm. have anything else. And I'm yeah. barely even maintaining that. Right. And you're a fucking millionaire. Mm-hmm. And like, you want to break your own shit? Cool. Break your own shit. But yeah. like, anyway, I like, Florida, and it was sort of the immediate thing. And I was just like, you know, then he's like, that's it. I quit. Your band's ruined. I was like, my band's ruined because you quit. Like you're the hired gun. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll have a new like, guy by six a.m. Like the notes I tell you to do. You do yeah. shit like whatever. Like we'll get into oh, the baseball. Man. And um, and uh, then he was like, <laughs> and I'm like, I felt bad. I'm like, dude, man, I'm sorry. Like immediately, it was like kind of yeah. Weird. Like, I mean, it's not how you want to end a night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, I but you have to understand. I'm trying to explain to him. Like you have to understand. Like you can't behave in this way. It's not mm-hmm. acceptable. And like, you know, you are, you know, like if you don't want to play in the band, don't play in the band. Like, right. No, one's, no one ever made you do anything. It's like, this is always from day one been a voluntary thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, so like, 
And if you want to do it, then thing is like, load your fucking gear that you play. You know, oh, you didn't even set it up. Yeah. yeah. This is like the least, absolute least. Thing you can, and then you can't, then you can't go and break my shit because you are whatever. Yeah. And then he was like, okay, well, now you have to let me do. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I'm like, all right, okay. Like you clearly don't understand the reality of, yeah world. what's going on here yeah, yeah. that's insane so, man. Like, that's a bummer it ended yeah. like that you know did you guys do the tour with well, him and all that swing at me then i actually beat the shit out of him again what's that oh you beat the shit out of him after he swung on you after that because well, then he took a swing. he was like and then i was just like look man then he like he like pretend like he was walking away and then tried to turn around and do sweet and oh, then i was no. just like, yeah and, um, did you do the tour with him or was that it no we did tour with, with that we did tour with i went the, on the way to our first show uh, I think it was in Denton, Texas. We stopped and got a fucking uh, Boss Super Octave. And I just like made a rig and we did the tours of two piece for the fucking. Oh, octave. damn. Really? Was that, that wasn't the <laughs> last tour you guys did, was it? No, no, no. This is because oh, okay. then Adam, we did a bunch of tours after that, actually. This oh, okay. Like, this is crazy. Um, you know, we had two other bass players after that. Yeah. Um, what? So do you keep in touch with any of the old guys from, from there? Like, uh, I mean, what I know you, uh, it was Stan and. Um, Tony, was it Tony, the big dude? Yeah. Is he? Yeah, are Tony they? Are they too. around? Tony died. Yeah, Taryn overdose. Oh man. Matt J died also overdose fentanyl. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Stan is in Florida now. Mm. Um, he's just, I think, just doing art shit. Like, uh, you know, he still does art and all that. Is, I mean, because he did the Ox yeah. album. You know what I mean? I, I always fucking love yeah. that dude, man. I mean, I don't yeah, know how yes, it ended with you guys. Like, what an incredible drummer that guy was, man. Fuck. Amazing drummer. Yeah. And uh, like, that's one of the good, the good things about Lords. The entire time Lords was a band, we always had like two of the best drummers in Louisville in the band, and one of them wasn't playing drums. Because like right. Tony Bailey, also an amazing drummer. That's what I remember you Yeah, Matt, I remember you saying that. Yeah. He was a better drummer than a bass player. I was like, oh, buddy. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And then Matt yeah. Jay, too. Matt Jay, he was also a phenomenal drummer. Really? Uh, yeah. And so, like, uh, um, yeah, that, uh, but uh, he's in Florida. Eric is in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, back in his hometown. He's doing some sort of like uh, uh, dissecting dead bodies or something. I don't know what he's like. He's <laughs> nice. it's actually like what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, a friend that's a corner or a yeah. burns bodies. You know, it's like, it's a crematorium oh, operator. Yeah. I'm like, that's the most metal shit on earth. And he's like, totally that dude, too. You know, it makes sense. That's crazy, man. Well, fuck, uh, man. Yeah, I, thought, I, mean, I thought this was every now and then. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Anyone else you keep in touch? Like uh, the Coliseum guys? I remember you guys played a lot with them and shit. Or, I mean, oh, yeah. You know, like I, like, I took to Ryan every now and then. Uh, like, um, you know, when they're in town, stuff, see him, stuff, too. Uh, I took to Chris Maggio the most. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was in that band. Then he was in Trap Them. He's in, been playing on High and Fire now. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, actually – he actually came out here and stayed with me for a while, uh, like right when the fucking shit went down, mm-hmm. like May. Um, but uh, that's about it. Like, I don't that's really beautiful. know like what's going on there now, like what's current. Yeah. there. I don't want really to keep track of it. Well, I mean, why? You're busy. You're a busy man making studios and fucking yeah. for everyone everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's amazing, man. Well, dude, um, I, you know, it's a fucking pleasure to catch up with you, bro. I mean, Dude, um, well, always. I can't wait till uh, this all opens up and we can actually hang out one day. 
Yeah, we got to go out to the desert and shoot some guns. Yes, yes, for sure. I'll let you know. Uh, I will definitely let you know when it happens. It's I, We usually wait till Fucking spring 80. or fall. Yeah. It's just too goddamn hot out there. We go way out in, like, Mojave, backside of Mojave. And uh, we awesome. do it right. You know, we bring Tannerite and blow shit up. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Count me in. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. You know, well, we'll that's my it. new thing. I'm, I'm, I'm like full on, like full on off road dude now. Um, oh, really? I just, uh, I actually have got my over here, my, my Icon uh, Stage Ten suspension system. I'm about to put on. Oh shit! Taco, what do you have? Uh, what do you? What do you? What do you have? I got a 2020 TRD off road nice. um, Tacoma. Okay. Uh, but I had just like the, uh, I had 2015 free runner, just two wheel drive. And I kind of got out into doing some desert shit and got in some precarious situations. And I was oh, yeah. like, and then for my birthday this year, I just traded it in and, uh, got a brand new four, four wheel drive TRD off-road. Fuck yeah. Um, and then I was taking that out a bunch and like pushed that to its absolute limit. And uh, a couple, few weeks ago got stuck in the Picacho wilderness. Oh fuck. It took me five hours to get out and it was, really treacherous but after that i was like fuck it so i went all in i got a i'm getting 34s on it uh, nice i got i'm got uh the whole icon stage 10 which is a three and a half inch lift yeah um uh i got a new front bumper with a winch the demello off-road uh aluminum front uh That's then right. i got a, a steel rear bumper, rock sliders um and i'm getting it re-geared too Oh, cool. too nice because once we get it raised, and then I got full like quarter inch steel full length uh, skid plates for the whole bottom. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, dude, I'll let you know when we go out because yeah. we go up in um, you know where we go is we go up to Barker Ranch where the fucking Mansons you live. Oh, dude, I go there all the time. Oh, you've been up there? Um, that's one of the spots where my main spot. Yeah, okay. I go there all the time. So I, I go to, like I have two jump up, off dude. points. If I go north, I go to. Oh shit! Yeah, because yeah, like we could go to like. I'll usually drive from like on a Friday night, I'll go to Ridgecrest mm-hmm. and then I'll like stay there and then I'll jump off and then I'll hit like, um, you know, you go through Ballarat yep. and uh, yep. go around there and then go up through the mountain to Barker Ranch and yep. up around there. That's right. I grew up and in Trona, dude. Valley. I was born, I was fucking born oh, in shit. Trona. Yeah. Oh, fuck, you're from Trona? Yeah, Holy dude, fuck. it's crazy. And so like, you know, I don't know if you noticed when you drive out through Trona at the end, uh, there's on the way to Ballarat, there's that massive scrapyard. Yeah, I know exactly that's, that's what it is. That's my grandpa's scrapyard, dude. We fucking, Holy I grew up in that shit. fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. I go through there all the time, and yeah. I've just been, I'm so obsessed with it. I was yeah. like, this place is insane. It's like an actual, like, it's it's like one letter away from trauma, and it looks like this mix <laughs> it between really the trauma is. movie it and be, Mad Max. Especially now, like, when I was a kid, it was an actual thriving little city, you know? Um, yeah. But they started closing that plant down, and now they only, they used to do, like, 23 different fucking uh, products out of there, and now it's, like, 50. Mm-hmm. so the town's like yeah. in shambles they've lit a lot of it on fire a lot of houses you but, totally um, i know it's like it's, i grew up in homewood canyon and up in, in trona there i mean i that's where i lived when i was a kid my grand my grandpa lives there i still got family there it's crazy out there man it's so. funny that scrap there because literally i was there like about i guess it's been about a month ago mm-hmm. i was up through there and i was like going past it and i was just like I kind of was like, dude, look at all these fucking cars, man. This place is wild. I was like, I kind of want to just go fuck around over there. Oh, dude. That's well, your fucking grandpa. You got me in. You got it it's in now, movie. dude. Yeah, we'll go. And yeah. When I was a kid, oh, yes. like, the rule was if you could figure out how to start it, you could drive it. 
and that like, so it was like we we're trying <laughs> yeah. to sort dozers and fucking forklifts yeah. and we're flipping cars over and we're fucking i mean it was nuts when i was a kid out there man i mean we'll have to Hell like yeah, i said dude. we'll go out there man and we set up a tactical yeah. force through there do the oh, scrapyard and shit so it's awesome man down <laughs> yeah, so oh, down yeah. thousand percent in it. all right man well fuck uh, man a pleasure we'll to catch you up with too. you good right. you, man. absolutely we'll talk to you soon. Later. Later. Bye.